straight and accurate and um, that you don't offend anyone, that you don't say anything. Um, and, um, and I feel like, why, why, do, do, why do I feel like that? It's because we always seem to sort of make sure that we know what we're going to talk about. And, um, you know, as, as when you go to a job interview, people will ask you questions and, you know, what you say makes a big, you know, a big difference whether you get the job or not. And in a sense, I felt a little bit like that with, with when, when I was asked to prepare for this meeting. And I felt, what, what's God really asking me to share with you? And, um, and I felt in my heart to, to share with you what, what actually it's been one of the, I wouldn't say life-changing, but perhaps is the most life-changing experience I've gone through probably in the last few years. And it has a lot to do with knowing knowing. Um, it's very important, I think, for me to realize that, I mean, for everyone to realize that a lot of the things that we, we base our lives upon are on the things that we think we know and um, the things we, we consider to be truth. And especially for me, or maybe some of you growing up uh, in, in Christian circles or, or with Christian parents, um, you perhaps have, have looked at some things and you took them as, as absolute truth. And, and over time, these things begin to be, become a little bit of a, a dividing issue in some of us. Uh, sometimes it blocks the way we, 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 we see God. Sometimes it blocks the way we pray. Sometimes it can do lots of different things because this is, this is what we consider to be truth. And, and the, moment, the moment for me where, where I began to look at in myself, it's what is truth. Is when I was reading the Bible, and and um, it's a bit small, but it says Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, "What is truth?" It's quite it's quite unusual that because he's staring him in the face, isn't it? Sometimes Jesus is right in front of you, and you are not sure what truth is. So I'll begin with this, and uh, I'll move on a bit later. But first, we're gonna do a little bit of history. And why? Well, because this is sort of a little bit of who I am as a person. You will understand me a bit better. But I am somebody who loves doing my own research on things that, you know, I, I just find an interesting on. And I just do a lot of reading about it. I search lots of things. And I get really, like, excited about, you know, knowing all these things that, you know, really I want to know about, you know. So, um, as I'm from South America, as you would know, um, as a child, one of the topics that really got my attention was um, what they used to call in those days the discovery of America by Christoph Columbus. Now, now these days, people don't call it a discovery anymore. Um, but do you actually know um, why is America called America? So at this point, I might lose some of you because if you don't like history, then this is my, you might start thinking about your lunch. But America has an unusual name for a continent. And the reason why that is, if you Google it, is that um, a, man, a man called uh, Americo Vespucci, an Italian explorer, so, so says Google, he was actually a cartographer, which is somebody who draws up maps, um, argued that America actually is, uh, is a different continent altogether, and it wasn't the West Indies as Columbus thought in, um, in 1942. So this is what most people would learn at school as the reason why America is called America. But you've got to ask yourself a question, you know. Do you think any monarchy in England uh, or in Europe will name a whole continent after a servant? You know, ultimately a cartographer used to work for a king or somebody else. Would they say, all right, we're going to name the entire continent after you? 
I think they'll be queuing in line from king to prince to, you know, heir to be named after something, not a cartographer. So um, in, in South America, actually, it's even further. They, they actually think that the continent was named after the first sailor that saw land and shouted land, and his name was Americo. Uh, so they named after him. Weird, isn't it? But the truth is that before the Europeans went to America, America was actually populated by three major uh, civilizations. There were um, the Inca in South America, the Maya, and the Aztecs to the north. And each of these um, civilizations had, had a specific name for the land. The Incas called it the Amaru, the Maya, the Amaruca, and the Aztecs, the Amaruca Pana. And the word Pana simply means region or land. So when the Spanish were in the south, came together with those in the north, they, they realized that they used the same word. So what they did is they just simply turned it into a Latin word that was able to pronounce in Europe. So they call it America. Now, why, why this was the word that most people used to call the, the continent was because these three civilizations were fa fairly known for their religious sacrifices and human sacrifices and bloodthirsty type of, you know, um, civilizations, and they all had in common the, the worship of the god serpent, or the, the shining serpent. And um, later on, uh, 300 years later, when the beginning of the uprising in South America began against the, um, the established sort of monarchies, uh, there was a man that began this rebellion, and he was given the title, he was given the title of Tupac Amaru. And the word Amaru simply means Serpent, Tupac means son of, son of the serpent in relation to the original gods that they worshipped. So, there you go, a bit of history. If you don't believe me, um, find out for yourselves. You do need to have a bit of um, Italian and Spanish uh, background to understand some of the, some of the text. But um, is it quite interesting how a little bit of knowledge is sort of like, does something in you when you know something for sure that you didn't know before and someone... Now imagine, imagine, for example, if you're a Christian, you grew up believing so many things, some things to be certain truth, and now sometimes you are, you are, you are, you are sort of um, presented with something radically different. It throws you off a little bit. Now, um, the reason why America Vergolio was actually used as a scapegoat, or, or the reason why, is because he was, he was what's known today as a social climber. He wanted to get down in history for something. So when this, the first ever world map was produced um, about 50 or 60 years after Columbus, it included America there. Um, and uh, he proposed that this, this new continent, or so they think, was actually not part of India. And someone thought that was a good idea, and they gave it to him. The truth probably is that no one in Europe would accept that a new continent would be named after a serpent, you know. So they found a good idea to replace that with, with some guy who said, yeah, that's a new place. And therefore, you know, the glove fitted and they gave it to him. So there you go. Something quite interesting. This is a lot of what I like doing on my own time. <laughs> a lot of research, a lot of, um, uh, you know, digging into the past. And uh, you do find some things are quite enlightening, quite enlightening. But let me ask you a question. Would knowing the true meaning of the word America do anything for you today? Would it change who you are? Would, would it set you free? I mean, the Bible says you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So the truth is that there is no gaining in knowing this truth. Although it's fun and it's interesting, there are other truths that are much higher and much more important. Paul says, whatever I used to know, whatever I consider to be good, I've regarded now as rubbish because I want to know Christ. And um, I want to be, then, then he says, I want to be found in Christ. So I'd like to ask you all to begin to, to ask yourself a question. For example, this is what I, I discovered over the last few years, is, is what do I know? Not what, what people taught me, you know, I grew up as a Baptist and, and then a Pentecostal and so on. And then you hear people teaching you things over time, over time. These things begin to be the foundation blocks of your life. But what, what do I know for myself, you know? What do I know that I can say in an interview? This is my own experience of knowing Christ. And I began to think, well, there, there isn't much, really. You know, I mean, I, I know the Bible. I know a lot of things about the Bible. But what do I know in my own self, you know? So I began to think about what is, what is actually the foundation of my belief, my personal belief. I mean, we all agree that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for us on the cross. But, but who is Jesus to me, to me as an individual, you know? What, what claim do I have that I say, I know Jesus? I know Jesus. Obviously, he saved me. We agree on all those things. But, but who is Jesus to me on the everyday basis? And I began to think of um, the foundation of our faith is the hope on which we build our lives. What does this actually mean? What does it mean, really? If you think about that, you, mean, you don't really build yourself like, you know, bricks and mortar. You don't build yourself. You, what is it to build um, yourself up? Well, I began to look at physical um, things. So what this is, is some really neat, clear uh, foundations for a building, either a really nice house or some sort of small building. But you cannot build anything on false foundations. And I began to think a lot of the times we can build things on things that other people have said. But sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes people are mistaken. Over the years, people have evolved in their theology of understanding the Bible, and, and people, have, people have compared, like, you know, understanding of the Bible now to understanding of the Bible 100 years ago. But this is all people. The Bible always remains the same. So your foundation and my foundation depends a lot on what we know. So what we know is what people say, or is it truth? Pilate said to Jesus, well, what is truth? It's quite interesting, that, isn't it? I mean, it puzzles me for a very long time that Jesus was asked, <laughs> what is truth? Um, what happens if we don't actually have a good foundation? Well, this is what happens. At some point or another, your whole house will just crumble. And, and if you think of a person being a building or a house or a temple, then basically that means that at some point or another, if your foundation is false, your life will come crashing down. Now, has anyone any got an experience of where they knew something was, was a certainty and something happened and then your whole world comes tumbling down? I don't know. I mean, I, I know an example. When I was a child, uh, I had a friend who, who didn't know he was adopted. And at the age of about 13 years old, um, he found out he was adopted. And, and he was never the same person anymore. anymore. Um, and for me, uh, I would say... This, this, this process began to happen about four or five years ago, maybe, yeah, about four years ago, uh, when I was working, and I just began to think of myself as like, what am I doing with my life, you know, literally? 
Um, I'm just spending lots of time at work. I'm always stressed. I'm always in a bad mood. Uh, why? I mean, you know that Jesus is your joy and the joy of the Lord and all these things, but it's not a reality in my life. So therefore, you begin to look at your foundations. And, and I found that although I knew a lot about Jesus, my personal foundations were almost non-existent. So I'd like to encourage you to, to read your Bible a bit more, to find out more what Jesus means to you as an individual, and, and build foundations that will actually really, really remain for you, for you as a person. Jesus, Jesus really is there to meet with you, and he will give you foundations that will not crumble. Um, interestingly about America, um, America is a continent that has led the world in terms of evangelism and preaching the gospel for, for decades. But a lot of the times, a lot of things that come out of America aren't always the best things. Or the, you know, there's a lot of you know, um, what's the word? Uh, there's a lot of um, teachings about these and the other. Uh, I remember the days when when prosperity was was you know in fashion. Uh, and then it was something else. And, and recently, you know, a few years ago, people started going back to Judaism, and it all comes out of America, isn't it? This, this continent that, you know, began as a, as a fake name, so to speak, comes out with lots of, you know, um, different, different um, ideas about Christ. And, 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 and it throws people off, and it creates a lot of uncertainty. And people, people are building on fake foundations, you know. <laughs> the latest thing, because I like always looking at what's going on in America. There is, there is a movement in America, a really big movement now, where people are beginning to say that the earth is flat. It's called the, the flat earth um, theology. And, and it's mental, but, you know, so many people are, are buying it. And, and they're beginning to think now that the earth is flat, that, the, that there is an edge of the earth and you can fall off it. And all this, you know, absolute, and, and millions of people take onto it because some guy says it. So I really felt in my heart to share with you guys, build on a, on a solid foundation, on a foundation that you, you know is the truth, that no one will tell you otherwise. Um, often, once all else fails, foundations are the only thing that remains. Um, this is the ruins of a Roman building somewhere here in England, in Kent. I can't remember exactly where. But you will see that if all else fails in your life, your foundations will remain. Will remain. And I'm pretty sure that if somebody wanted, they could build something on top of these foundations. Whereas if the foundations are weak and, and non-existent, nothing can be built on top. And you can see that, you know, hundreds of years ago, this, this building probably was run to the ground, but the foundations remain, and, and very clearly for everyone to see. So I'd really like to encourage everyone that, as, in, as it happened to me a few, a few years ago, um, over, a, I would say, three or four years period, I've come, I've come to uh, a point where I was confronted with what I thought was, was truth. Uh, I'm not telling you that something I'm going to say now, it's totally different to whatever else we, we preach, no. But in terms of your practical life, in what God is to you every day, in what God is going to do for you every day, who Jesus is, it, it, it's got to be your own foundation your own truth based on what you read in the Bible. And, and this, this bit here is where I would say um, the penny dropped, I would say. Matthew 22, 28, 29. It's a, it's a verse where Jesus was preaching and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and these people are, are what would you call today Christians, the people who know the Bible. They were the teachers of the law. And obviously the law means the law of Moses. 
It means that the people who practice, you know, the Ten Commandments and so on, they, they brought this woman to Jesus who was um, married seven times and her husbands all died. And Jesus said, in, they asked him in the resurrection, then whose wife will she be uh, of the seven? For all of them were married to her. Jesus replied, you are mistaken. And this is where really the penny dropped for me. <laughs> it says, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And, and for me, this is the moment in my life where I felt I can, I can perhaps pretend to know a lot of things. Um, I, I, I've listened to lots and lots of preachers and, and read some books by such, such and such and so. But Jesus said to the, <laughs> to the teachers of the law, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And I think for me, this is what I'd really like to share with you guys is that open up your own Bible. Don't, don't, look, at a, don't look at a necessarily... Um, at a commentary, uh, although those things are good, sometimes more people focus on the commentary than what the Bible says. Or sometimes they, they, they read a small portion of Scripture and then look at the commentary and what it means. But the Bible is there for all of us to read and to understand by the power of God. And when you start to read the Bible, I, I've, I've recently discovered that reading the Bible for myself, it's, it's so good, it's so beneficial. It's like, it's like almost a delight. And I found to be a lot more true than anything else is ever said. You know, there are very good preachers out there that, that preach very eloquently and explain topics and sort of, you know, expose things to you. But when you read the Bible for yourself and, and you trust that God will show you, then you will, you will really discover what is a true, the truth for you that you, can, that you can rely your life upon. So Jesus says, don't you know that in the resurrection they will never be, married, be given in marriage, but everyone will be like the angels. And from this point onwards, I began to think, I will not trust anything anyone else says, but only what God says. Um, so my question is, what do you know God will do for you? What do you really know that God will do for you? And, and this is, for example, where I began to think, what is it that I know God can do for me, really? I mean, you must have all an experience where God has totally done something that is, is, is just so obvious. It cannot be anything else. It cannot be coincidence. It cannot be, yeah, but that person, you know, helped me, and if that person wouldn't have been there, then maybe it wouldn't have happened. No, there's something that all of us need to have, need to know, that is what you know for sure is that God will do for you. For me, if you are like this person, you've got no idea, then don't despair. Ask the Lord. And, and you don't need to ask the Lord in prayer and fasting. You, you don't need to pretend to be religious. Just, just walk down the street as you go home today and say, Lord, it's true. I'm not 100% sure what you can do for me. You know, I know it all in my mind, but in my heart, I'm just, I just not sure. I'm just really not sure what you can do for me, Lord. I, I mean, if I lose my job tomorrow, you know, would I panic? Would I be, would I be comfortable? Would I, would I sort of trust that you would provide for me? Or, or if I suddenly have a, I don't know, if I hear bad news or have an illness, what do you know in your heart God will do for you? And this is really what, what I've been going through maybe in the last three years of my life. It won't, be, it won't be something that happens to you overnight. But God is patient and God is gentle with us. And it will take us through a process where you can come to the point where you can say, um, I'm not really bothered what anyone else says. I know what God can do for me. And the three, the three things that I've found out 
is that God will provide for me. I know this and no one will ever tell me otherwise because in the last four years uh, I've lost my job maybe three times. Um, I was in a position where I really didn't know how how I would feed my family, I'm, I have three children, there's bills to pay, and, and to be honest, as I said when I was in India um, earlier this year, I really don't know how we went through it. I just don't know it. I mean, I don't know how, but I come to a point today in my life that, you know, God has provided. And, and no one can tell me it was a coincidence. It's impossible. It's, it truly is impossible. There were moments where I didn't know what was going to happen, and I received a check from HMR Revenues with 500 pounds because they overtaxed me the year before, and it paid for it paid for things. And even even recently, like uh, it's maybe the second the second time it's happened to me that the bank has uh, has sent me two checks, one for I think it was 500, and recently for 200 pounds of overcharges. Halifax. <laughs> I mean, how odd is that? And, and the times in which this happened was critical. Now, how many of you know that your bank gives you money back from charging you? It is odd, but it happens. And, and the thing is that it's not necessarily because, oh, yeah, well, the bank was audited. And, no, it's because God supplied for me. So the Bible says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Very famous verse. And all else will be added unto you. But until this is not a reality in your life, this is, this is perhaps just another phrase you've heard many times before. But believe me, when this is truth to you, you can build your life on this. And suddenly, the Bible also says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. These days, I can tell you, um, I, can, I can go to sleep and sleep. I wouldn't be worried all night about how we're going to pay the bills and how we're going to do this and, and you know... I, as a, as, a, as a man, I felt the pressure on me so much for so many years to, to provide for my family because I was not l building my life on this foundation, the foundation that God will provide for me. Now I know that no matter what I do, what I don't do, you know, if I seek the kingdom of God first, He will supply my every need. And I know it. That's my, my personal truth. Number two is that God will protect me. And this comes from a verse that I learned as a child my mother used to uh, teach us this verse um, as we were going to bed. Psalm 91 is, is by far my, my favorite psalm. And it says, he, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Almighty will rest, and the, the emphasis is rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, the God in whom I trust. And for me, I realized that it's true. If, if you... If you let God protect you, you, you will be protected and you will rest. The key word is, is rest in that knowledge. You won't be worried, you won't be troubled when, when tragedies will happen. You know, later on in the, same, in the same psalm, it says a thousand will fall on your right and ten thousand on your left, but it won't come to you. And that is beautiful. It's, it's knowledge, it's truth that sets you free. Free from anxiety, free from worrying, free to enjoy what God has done for us. And the last thing is that God is with me. And this is interesting because so many times we always wonder whether God is with us. You know, when, when things happen to us, when we go through difficulties, when we sometimes are, are in a sense punished or disciplined by God, first thing we say is, where was God on this? Where is God? And then the grumbling comes out. But the truth is God is with you. God is with you in there, in those situations. 
You know, a famous verse in Psalm 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I shall not fear because you are with me. That sounds, yeah, all right, okay. But until you experience something in your life, it's just something you've heard, but it's not truth that set you free. Just, just say, Lord, I, I want to build my life on your truth. What is, what is truth to me as an individual and not just simply what I heard? And God is with me is something that, you know, I felt was so important when I was looking for work and decided to change career paths. As you all know, I was, I was a restaurant manager for many years and I felt that this, this is no longer what I wanted to do. And I said, well, where do I go? You know, how will everything work out? And the Lord said, the Lord gave me this verse, um, which is Psalm number one. He says, blessed is he who does not walk in a step with the wicked. <clears throat> and the first word here is blessed, you know. When I began to realize, if you trust in the Lord and you follow, his, you follow him, you will be blessed. And if you, if you try not to basically go along with what the world does, you know. These this next three sections where it says, does not step, go in a step with the wicked, do not sit with mockers, and do not stand in the way that they take. It means you just don't, don't share all the values that the world has, but that you stick to what, the world, what God says. The most important part here is the one at the end where it says, Whatever they do, they will prosper. And God said to me, I don't need to go asking God, what shall I do next? Shall I become a, I don't know, a bus driver? Or shall I, uh, you know, I don't know, um, become a, I don't know, some sort of teacher? A lot of people said to me, you'd be a good teacher. And I was like, I don't really want to be a teacher. But I, I began to think, Lord, so many times before, I've heard preachers saying, if you do what God blesses, you know, then you will always be blessed. But that's not quite true. God will bless whatever you do. That's what he says. So whether you want to become a, a bus driver or a school teacher or you want to become whatever, if you, if you do not walk in step with the wicked, whatever you will do, God is with you. You don't have to be where God is. It's the opposite, you know. Wherever you go, God is with you. And, and God will bless you. And for me, that also is another foundation in which I can build my life, knowing that if I want to, I decided that I wanted to go and, and become an accountant, and people said, well, I don't think it's going to take a long time. And I was like, listen, God says, whatever I will do, I will prosper. And so far, it's gone really well, not because I am amazing, far from it, I've got a lot to learn. It's because I feel now that I can rely on these words that says, God, uh, everything that you will do, you will prosper. So I'd really like to encourage you to, to begin to understand that not everything is what other people say. You must know for yourself what is it that you believe. And going back to the question to Jesus, what is truth? And with this I'll finish. I've also found out for myself three, three truths about God that are completely and totally um, my foundation today. And it's not something that I've heard or read in a book or I saw a, a sermon on YouTube. It's things that I've found out. And this is the, the first one. is Truth is everything that God has said. Number one, God cannot lie, as the Bible says. So everything that he says is truth. Everything. God has said something, and whatever he says is truth. Number two, everything God has established is truth. That is ultimate truth. And the last one, everything he has ordained is truth. Nothing else you could say is truth, but it's up to you to decide. But for me, this is the three things that I've discovered as a person is truth in answer to that question of Pontius Pilate. What is truth? So 
With this, um, I'd like to really encourage you to, to pursue an individual, um, I wouldn't say relationship, because that word means sometimes so many things, but I'd like to pursue your own path with God in finding your own foundations for your life. Foundations that no one will take away from you. Foundations that no one can come with a new theory of theology and, and throw you all the way to the floor and, and maybe break down 20 years of, of Christian life that you might have had. You know, just like that. Because it's your truth. And it's only because you know the scriptures and the power of God allow it for you to be. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And I really pray that um, I've encouraged you to, to go and discover more the, of what the Bible has to offer, more the, that God has for you to actually grab hold of. Amen? Thank you very much, guys.